Today, the uh, title of the message is The Secret to Getting What You Want in Prayer. And some of you are saying, well, it's about time. Good. I need to get God to come through with some stuff that I need. Well, uh, if you think, actually, that prayer is about getting God to do stuff and give you stuff, you are going, actually, in the opposite direction of uh, where Jesus and his model prayer are going. So let's talk about that. Uh, Would you please turn your Bible or your device to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. We'll begin reading at verse 9. Let's study uh, the Lord's Prayer, this time uh, focusing our attention on the second line. This is Jesus saying, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we also forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil and the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Today we're going to study the second line in Jesus' prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This line, this second line, contains the secret. The secret to getting what I want in prayer is to want what God wants. The secret is to align my heart to God's heart so that I am asking for God's will in me and then through me. In this model prayer, Jesus teaches me that before I get to pray, God, give me this day my daily bread. I must first pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Jesus teaching me that before I get to tell God what I want from Him, first I need to listen to what God wants from me. And this is so important. Last week uh, we studied the first line of Jesus' prayer, and we discovered that knowing God as my Abba, Dad, changes everything in my prayer relationship with God. Well, this second line is just as important. This second line saves me from a one-way relationship with God. Uh, Have you ever had a one-way relationship with someone where you did all the listening and they did all the talking? Uh, Where the relationship was really only about the other person and what the other person desires and, and wants? Well, God does not want a relationship like that with me or with you. This is especially true uh, that God does not want this self-centered approach to prayer in view of the fact of who God is. (laughs) God is God. God doesn't exist to serve me. I exist to serve God. And so to remind me of this, Jesus teaches me to pray in the very second line, Your kingdom come, your will be done. And... Out of Jesus' entire prayer, this second line is the easiest to say and the hardest to really mean. But if I can pray the meaning behind this prayer and really mean it, my wants will be conformed to God's wants, and that is the secret. So what does it mean? What does it mean to pray, 
your kingdom come, your will be done. To begin, it means praying that I become who God wants me to be. So this issue of being who God wants me to be comes first because it's most important to God. Uh, God wants me to do his will, but he doesn't want me to just put it on as an act or as a duty. God wants me to do his will as the overflow of a relationship with him because of who I am. And who God wants me to be is summarized in that little word, kingdom. As in, your kingdom come. Jesus taught many things. And the Gospels record that Jesus taught uh, so many important things. But that there was one theme that was of top priority to Jesus. And that was teaching about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Same thing. And for a long time, the disciples didn't get it. Uh, the disciples, when Jesus said kingdom, thought Jesus was talking about changing social systems and political systems, and that Jesus was trying to describe to them that he was going to set up an earthly reign. But this is not what Jesus had in mind. By the kingdom, Jesus was not talking about changing social systems one at a time. Jesus was talking about changing people, one person at a time. To Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is a restored relationship with God that changes people from the inside out as one by one they respond to God's invitation in his Son. So let me show you how Jesus taught this. Uh, first, Jesus taught that the kingdom is not a physical place, but a spiritual reality. In Luke 17, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation. Nor will people say, Here it is, or, Oh, there it is. Because the kingdom of God is within you. Jesus taught that the kingdom is an internal experience. Next, Jesus explained what this experience is. It's a relationship. The kingdom is a relationship with the king. Jesus taught this by describing the kingdom as belonging to people who respond to the king's invitation to a joyous banquet of his son. Jesus says in Matthew 22, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of God is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. And then Jesus goes on to describe how these people who respond to the king's invitation become his close friends and his family and his kingdom. Finally, Jesus explains that when I have this relationship with the king, it changes me from the inside out. The internal kingdom results in external changes in the way I live. And fruit, it's the fruit of God's character in my life. And a lifestyle of compassion and joy and social justice on the outside. But notice... That the visible fruit is not being religious. Uh, that's why Jesus says to the religious leaders of his day, these words in Matthew 21. Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you religious leaders and given to a people who will produce its fruit. 
So, when you put all this information together, we learn that the kingdom of God is Jesus' term for a restored relationship with God that changes people from the inside out as they respond to God's invitation in His Son. From the moment I respond to the king's invitation, the king establishes his kingdom inside me. And God wants this kingdom, his kingdom, to become bigger and bigger and to spread wider and wider into every area and detail of my life. So Jesus tells me to pray, your kingdom come which is praying, God, I want your kingdom to become bigger in me. I want to become who you want me to be. Praying, God, let your kingdom come into my life means, God, I want to be changed. God, I'm listening. Tell me where you want your kingdom to expand into new areas of my life. And when I listen to God, He brings to mind areas of my life which have not yet come under His kingdom control. God, today I exploded in rage at my little child. Please, will you expand your kingdom into areas of my soul that are poisoned with anger? God, today I wasted my whole day worrying about something that may never happen. Would you please expand your kingdom and release me from the power of anxieties that control my life? God, I can't be who you want me to be unless I get beyond my selfishness and arrogance and prejudice. Unless you fill me with your love and your peace and your joy that comes through your kingdom. Please expand your your kingdom in me. This is what it means to pray, your kingdom come. It's not praying that God would fix something in Washington, D.C. He's not, uh, not praying God to fix something in our broken world. It's asking God to fix the brokenness in me. I'm asking God to grow me through a deeper relationship with him. Next. Praying your kingdom come, your will be done, means praying that I make the impact that God wants me to make. So first, first God wants me to become who I am meant to be in Christ. But then second, God wants me to do his will as an overflow of who I am in him. God wants me to impact a part of my world. The Lord's Prayer uh, here in uh, Matthew chapter 6 is part of a larger teaching of Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount, which begins in Matthew chapter 5 with the Beatitudes. Uh, The Beatitude list is Jesus' description of who God wants me to be. Uh, In this list, Jesus says, I want you to become humble in spirit, pure in heart, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, merciful, and a peacemaker. But then immediately after this beatitude list of who God wants me to be, Jesus follows up on it and says, now let that who you are overflow in doing God's will in a way that brings a little bit of heaven to earth. Jesus tells me in Matthew 5, 
You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Abba Father in heaven. God wants to take the transforming relationship of peace and joy and love that he has with me. Take that relationship and then use that as the basis for using me to shine in the lives of others around me. So Jesus teaches me to pray, God, use me to do your will in my part of the world so that it looks a little bit more like heaven. Jesus wants me to bring some of heaven into my world. Jesus wants to bring a slice of heaven into my slice of earth. And so this process begins with me praying, God, use me to do your will. But it doesn't end with just saying those words. I must listen. I listen to God and let him tell me what kind of impact he's talking about when it comes to the specifics in my life. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, you could get the idea that, that this is about, you know, worldwide impact uh, and God's got some grand blueprint that he's going he's gonna to give you at that moment. No, no, no. It's not like God's going to say, I want you to bring peace to the Middle East or I want you to bring peace between Red Sox fans and Yankee fans. It's not going to happen. Uh, so God is simply saying to you, and when, I, when, I, when you pray that your kingdom come, your will be done, God's going to open your eyes to the hurting and the lonely and the lost around you and then help you to see ways that you can bring a little bit of heaven into these people in your slice of earth. God will bring to mind the guy you work with, the co-worker who's going through a divorce right now and You'll get a, suddenly an idea that you need to take him out for a cup of coffee and just show interest in him. Be a friend and then maybe invite him to church. God will bring to mind neighbors who have just moved in so that you invite them to your house for a meal. So this should be my prayer. God, grow your kingdom in me. May your kingdom come so that I can, out of the overflow, do your will of impacting others. If this is what you want, God will make it happen because this is what God wants for you. Next, praying your will be done means praying that I choose the way God wants me to go. Uh, in a large part, a person's quality of life is determined by the quality of their decisions. Life is what? It's a string of choices. Praying your will be done means that I bring my significant, maybe, and in my small decisions to God, asking, God, I have a choice here to make. Um, what do you want? What do you want me to do? And then listening to God. Uh, and you may be there saying, you know, there again, you're going on about this listening thing. I can't become who God wants me to be unless I listen. I can't know the impact that God wants me to make in the lives of others around me unless I listen. I can't know the, the right way to choose unless I listen to God. I've tried this listening thing. God doesn't talk to me. I know what you mean. One summer, I... Uh, 
had three weeks uh, between the end of a summer job and the beginning of my next year of graduate school, and uh, I had some very big decisions that I needed to make. And I needed to hear from God. And as I was listening to God, He didn't seem to be speaking to me here in Connecticut. So I figured I needed to go somewhere else where I could hear from God. So I actually bought one of these uh, Greyhound bus tickets where you can go anywhere you want uh, for three weeks. And so I... uh, boarded a bus and told myself that I would stay on the bus until I got somewhere where I could hear from God. So I got on the bus in uh, Bridgeport, and uh, the next day I uh, was pulling into Cleveland. And I looked out the window at Cleveland and uh, said, God's not going to talk to me here. (laughs) And I just got to stay on the bus. The doors closed and stayed on the bus and uh, went into Iowa God's not going to speak to me here. So I let the doors close, stayed on the bus, went through several more states, ended up in this tiny little town in Montana named Lima Bean. Lima Bean, Montana. And it was just like a little seed of a town in a rumpled blanket of mountains. And I said, yeah, this is where God's going to speak to me. So I got off the bus with my list of questions for God. And I climbed a mountain. And I got to the top of the mountain. It was a beautiful day, sun shining, blue skies, fluffy clouds, beautiful, majestic view. And I sat down and I said, "Uh, God, I need to hear from you. I uh, have a list of of questions here. And uh, so then I said, here's the first question. I read the question to God and then I waited for the answer. Listened. Listened. And waited. Waited. And I said, uh, okay, God, let's try the second question. <laughs> it went on like that for five hours. And I came down from the mountain feeling like I had not heard anything from God. Because what happened? I kept traveling uh, for two more weeks on that uh, bus pass. And by the time I got back to Connecticut, God had given me the leading that I needed for all of these major decisions in my life. How did God lead me? God led me as he spoke to me in quiet ways as I read my Bible every day. He spoke to me through conversations I had with good friends along the way. God led me through circumstances, through church services, uh, through a book I was reading, through a worship song I heard on the radio. And several times I just had this strong leading thought that just came out of nowhere. And I realized this was God leading me. And then I realized in retrospect, I actually received one of those leading thoughts in Cleveland, which proves that God can speak to you anywhere. So it is possible, right? It's possible that that you can just in prayer sit there and say, God, speak to me, and God will communicate to you. It's possible, yes. But in my experience, God more often takes the listening habit and the listening posture I develop in a prayer time with him and then leads me to take that listening posture through all my day and then God speaks to me in a hundred different ways in different methods and channels. The secret to getting what I want in prayer is wanting what God wants and maintaining a listening ear to God tells God Abba, Dad, I want what you want. Show me your will, and I'll follow. 
God will always give me what I want in prayer if what I want is God's will. The problem is that sometimes I don't want God's will. Uh, Matthew chapter 15, Jesus said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So in order to follow Jesus, sometimes I need to choose the cross. Where the cross is a, a metaphor for choosing something that is hard and requires sacrifice and cost. Sometimes wanting God's will means choosing the harder, the more difficult way, not the easier way. Sometimes God wants me to choose the cross, and that's his will. You know, a friend of mine gave me an example of this recently. He disliked his job. He disliked his co-workers. He disliked his boss. And this led him to pray for a new job. And after he had a, a dozen interviews, he landed a new job offer. And you may say, good for him. He got what he was praying for. He got a new job. But my friend would say, no. My friend would say that when he got that job offer, it struck him as a realization that this new job did not come from God at all. He realized that while he was complaining about his job all that time, he never once asked God, what do you want? He realized that his prayers were not prayers of, may your will be done. His prayers were, God, may my will be done. Get me a new job. So he lifted this new job offer and his current job up to God and said, God, I need to start over again. What do you want? And he immediately sensed God saying, well, your current job is a dark place full of dark people who are lost in darkness. I like putting light in dark places. You are my lamp. And my friend knew that God wanted him to be a light in his dark workplace. And because he stayed there, he's been able to bring numerous people here to church and to a new relationship with God. He chose the cross. Even... If he doesn't always love his job, he loves being where God wants him to be. This doesn't mean that God always wants you to stay in a difficult job or a difficult marriage. But God's joy is always found when I choose to be where God wants me to be and wants me to go. And sometimes that means choosing the cross. Which leads to the final reflection on what does it mean to pray, your will be done. It means praying that I trust God when he wants me to trust him. When Jesus tells me to take up my cross to follow him, Jesus is referring to a metaphor. But for Jesus, the cross was no metaphor. It was a torturing, bloody reality. On the night... Before Jesus went to the cross, Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane these words recorded in Mark chapter 14. Abba, Jesus said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. So if you're going through something really painful, really horrible, really terrible right now, you may want to scream out to God, God, how do you expect me to trust you when you bring this hard stuff into my life? God, how do you expect me to align my heart to your heart when you break my heart? 
God, how do you expect me to pray your will be done in these circumstances? Do you have any idea, God, how much this hurts? And Jesus, and God answers in Jesus, yes, I do. When Jesus faced the torture of the cross, Jesus prayed the very prayer that he's asking you and me to pray. Jesus prayed to the Father, not what I will, may your will be done. Jesus modeled trust in Abba, Dad, even in the midst of pain. So what do you do when your world falls apart? You lost your job. You lost a loved one. You've lost sight of joy in your life. If in the middle of pain, you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. If you pray this way, you have found the secret. The secret to the rewards that come in trusting your Abba, Dad. And if you pray this way, you are truly praying like Jesus. Let's talk to him now. Jesus, thank you for modeling this prayer. Not only teaching this prayer, but modeling it. Thank you for leading us to this two-way relationship where we not only talk, but we listen. And there's no better place for us to listen than right here, right now, even as we take this bread and this cup that represent your ultimate sacrifice to do the will of the Father. Would you speak to us? Even as we hold the bread and as we hold the cup until everyone is served, would you speak to us? And would you help us to listen as we apply these themes about listening to you, related to becoming who you want us to become and listening to where you want us to impact, listening to the choices that reflect where you want us to go and listening as we trust you, even in the midst of pain. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And after he gave thanks, he broke the bread and he said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Mm-hmm.